and welcome to the Top Order Podcast and the Pakistan Cricket Podcast. Stu Lipshaw here and I'm joined by Abdullah Haider as we look ahead to the upcoming test series between the Black Caps and Pakistan. Before we start, I think it's probably worth mentioning that we're recording this on day three of the third test between England and Pakistan. So don't be too hard on us if something happens in the final few days and we don't kind of discuss it on this. The turnaround in between these tests is just, it's just so short and a really busy time of the year for, for a lot of people, so this is the, the only time we could connect. But look, with all of that out of the way, Abdullah, do you want to kind of run us through the, the details of this series and maybe set, set the scene for us before we kind of dive into the squads and the, the potential gameplay for this upcoming series? Sure. So the first test match commences on Boxing Day in Karachi. Uh, there are going to be two test matches and there are going to be three one-day internationals. Uh, but uh, in a way, it's 15 consecutive matches that Pakistan will play against New Zealand because New Zealand will be returning um, uh, in April and May uh, to make up for their aborted tour um, last year. So this, uh, these test matches and these ODIs are not to make up for the aborted tour last year. These were already part of the Future Tours program. So New Zealand will be coming to Pakistan twice. Um, so there's two, ODI, two test matches and three ODIs here Um in the Christmas and New Year period. And in April and May, once the New Zealand international summer is over, they will return to contest um, five T20s and five ODIs um, to make up for the for the aborted uh, effort last year. So it's going to be a marathon of cricket between Pakistan and New Zealand um, in Pakistan uh, in this particular Pakistan international season, and it all gets underway um, on Boxing Day. It's been brought forward a day for some reason or another, but Originally, it was going to start on the 27th, but now it's going to start on Boxing Day. And it's exciting because it's New Zealand's first um, test appearance in Pakistan for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, very exciting. I mean, yeah, uh, I don't know. We probably don't need to go too dive too deeply into that aborted tour. I know it um, it upset a lot of people all around the world. And um, it was, I mean, very disappointing for us as New Zealand fans. I know we were, we were looking forward to, to going over there. And um, it's been awesome to, to see cricket back in Pakistan. But I guess looking back into the, the squads, has the Pakistan squad actually been named for this series yet? Or, or are they going to do that after the, the test series against England is finished? Yes, I'm presuming they're going to see how this match goes, the outcome of this match, and uh, then announce... I guess privately the players would have been informed whether they're going to be involved in that series or whether they're still uh, uh, well, whether there's more consideration about whether they're going to be playing in that series or not. But yes, I mean they haven't named this squad as such, but I wouldn't imagine there'd be too many changes, especially if Pakistan uh, win this third test and manage to salvage some pride um, going into that uh, all important test series against New Zealand. And um, and how are the seam bowling stocks looking? Because I mean, you guys have been hit so hard with with injuries. See, the big one, Shaheen Shah Afridi. I mean, you know, we we talk about him on our podcast a lot. Just love love watching him bowl. It seems like every time he's at the crease, something is happening. Um, and then you, you know, Nasim Shah out of this test, this third test, Harris Ralph's injured. Are any of those guys going to be back for for the New Zealand series? Uh, no, I can't imagine so. Um, certainly not Shaheen Afridi. I think he's not going to play a test match in this particular home season for Pakistan. Um, likewise, Harris Ralph, um, you know, he's very inexperienced in first-class cricket, let alone test cricket. Um, so uh, I don't expect to see um, 
any of those play in this uh, test series. I think it's going to be more trial by spin because, um, as you've seen in this test match, in the last test match, the spinners have been doing the bulk of the work in terms of bowling and in terms of wicket-taking, and I expect to see more of the same against uh, New Zealand. So I expect to see um, you know, the match is dominated by spin in terms of uh, Pakistan's bowling. Um, yes, I mean, Pakistan have been hit in the injury front uh, as far as the fast bowlers are concerned, um, and particularly Shine Freedy, as you alluded to. But, um, I mean, at the moment, he's not that good a bowler in red ball cricket as he is in white ball cricket. Um, so even if he was available, I mean, his record against the better-ranked teams in test cricket isn't all that flash. Um, he, obviously, he's got the talent, he's got the skill, he's got the uh, potential to come, be a really good a bowler in test cricket as well. He has done well in test cricket against the lower-ranked test teams, but uh, on the evidence of what we've seen, uh, he hasn't been that effective when he's played against the better-ranked uh, test opponents, um, whether it's Australia, whether it's England, uh, whether it was New Zealand the last time Pakistan toured there. So, um, I mean, a lot's being said that there's no Shaheen, but uh, we've got to bear in mind he's perhaps not the, quite the bowl he is in white ball cricket when it comes to test cricket. That's really interesting. I, um, yeah, I, I guess I probably haven't watched them closely enough in, in all the games that, that you have, but yeah, I mean, what do you think you put, what do you put, you put that down to? Um, because I mean, I just picture him coming in, swinging that ball, hooping it back in, you know, bowling those big in swingers and, and hitting the pads, hitting the stumps and like he does so well in, in white ball cricket. But I, yeah, any reason you think, he hasn't been able to translate that to the, the test game? Um, I'm not particularly sure we can pinpoint one reason as such. Um, yeah, no, I just think he's, uh, he's been so effective in white ball cricket and uh, mm. the expectations have been so high. Um, but in test cricket, obviously, and naturally, test cricket is harder. It's the tougher format in terms of the work workload required, in terms of batsmen not always uh, going after him as such. Um, so I think it's a, it's a combination of reasons, but uh, definitely uh, white wall cricket has been his uh, stronger suit as compared to test cricket. I mean, he still bowled well in test cricket, but it's just not been, you know, uh, his, his numbers have not been as eye-catching as they are in uh, white wall cricket. Talking about his best test performance up to now would be sorry, just his best performance up to now would be in the West Indies. He's got a ten for there, but again, as we know, I mean, West Indies are a decent test team, but they're not uh, a highly ranked team. I mean, uh, it's not easy to go over there and win, but you know, they're not as strong as some of the other sides are at home. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, um, yeah, I, 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 um. I still, you know, love love watching him bowl. And um, you mentioned their eye catching. Abra Ahmed certainly caught our eye um, over over here in New Zealand. We a um, couple of spinners on our podcast. We just, you know, I mean, personally, I just loved watching him bowl in that first uh, first innings of of his Test career. Those wrongins, just absolute delight. Tell me more about him, though, because where have you guys been hiding him? What, what's been going on? Why is this? Why is this only his first test? Did you sort of expect him to to burst onto the scene in that way? Have there been high hopes around him? You know, in in the Pakistan cricket circles. 
Uh, he's had a phenomenal season in the four-day competition in Pakistan, known as the Qaeda Azam Trophy. Um, so in October and November, he was participating in that. He got 43 wickets in six matches. Uh, he was the leading wicket-taker by a considerable distance. Um, I think the next best was 23 or something, something like that. So he, he was leading the charts by some way. And, um, I mean, a lot of people were expecting him to play in this series and have a quite quite an impact in this series, particularly against a non-subcontinental um, team such as England. I mean, non-subcontinental opponents, with uh, looking at New Zealand as well. So uh, a lot of high expectations and hopes were on him for this home test season. Um, so he's just had a phenomenal season, which has uh, uh, leapfrogged him. And in terms of uh, the selector's plans, um, and obviously, um, when Australia came over, uh, the Pakistan spinners, they bowled okay, but they didn't do amazingly well. Uh, the likes of Numan, Sajid, um, Yasser Shah came back into the fold for their last overseas test series in Sri Lanka. He didn't bowl badly, I didn't think, but he didn't have uh, as strong an, Im an impact as they were hoping. So the spin stocks were not all that flash um, and given uh, Abra's season, you know, he just had to play. He had to be in the squad and had to play. He didn't play in the first test, though, against England. But uh, uh, perhaps that was a blessing in disguise that he didn't play on that pitch. And he got to play on a yeah. uh, pitch uh, with a bit more assistance for him in that second test um, and really come into his own. So, um, I mean, a lot of people are saying, where was he in the first test against England? But um, if you dive a bit deeper, perhaps it was a blessing in disguise that uh, he didn't get a go in that first test. <laughs> yeah, look, I, yeah, it wasn't much fun for any of the bowlers in, in, uh, in that game, was it? And um, that, that's probably a good place to kind of transition to, to some of the batters. Can you tell us a bit more about Saad Shaquille? Because, I mean, he's another guy that I didn't know a huge amount about before this series, but I mean, he looks a, a massive talent and, and someone that could, you know, easily become a fixture at, at test level. 450s, I think, now in this series against England. Yeah, same sort of question, really, because he's 27, isn't he? I mean, where where is he yes. sort of been hiding in, in Pakistan? And, uh, you know, why, why is he someone that we're sort of only, only coming to know now? Yes, as you mentioned, he's 27. He's not, uh, he's not a youngster as such, although he looks quite youthful. You, you look at him and uh, if you didn't know anything about him, you'd probably guess he's 20, 21. Um, yeah. He played in the Under-19 World Cup of uh, 2014. Um, Imam ul -Haq was also in that team. Um, and uh, Sami Aslam and uh, people like that. So he's, he's been around a while. I mean, that was uh, eight and a half years ago, that Under-19 World Cup. Um, mm -hmm. So he's basically just a, a similar age group as Barbara Azam, um, who was also eligible to play in the Under-19 World Cup in 2014 by age, but he'd already played two tournaments previously, so um, wasn't involved in that particular tournament. So, um, yeah, he's played over 70 first-class matches. He's got 15 uh, first-class hundreds, so he comes into mm -hmm. test cricket with experience behind his back. He's not somebody like Abdullah Shafiq, who has uh, only played a, uh, you know, a ver very limited amount of first-class cricket and has been picked purely on potential. He's done the hard yards in uh, first-class cricket over a number of seasons uh, before getting uh, getting a go. 
I mean, he had played for Pakistan before in uh, white ball cricket in ODIs. So, um, okay. although he was making his test debut in this series, he did have some international experience before. Um, he got a 50 at Laws in an ODI last year. Um, he can also bowl some useful left arm spin. Um, although he did get hit for six fours by Harry Brook, but I mean, in, in that uh, <laughs> yes. uh, Raul Pindi test, six fours in an over, but I mean, previously he's bowled like 10 overs in an ODI and done a job. So there's more to him than just his batting, but uh, yes, he's having a, having a good series so far, but uh, um, he's sort of thrown his wicket away and without really getting that big score so far to really nail down his place and uh, make people take notice. He's been getting 50s, but um, he's got out in some frustrating and disappointing ways for him and uh, for the team. But yes, an experienced campaigner uh, in domestic cricket, uh, probably similar to uh, Henry Nichols, you could say, middle order, left-handed, uh, in, in that number five slot, um, mm. goes about his business quietly and uh, yeah, uh, had a really uh, impressive start to his test career, but could be even better had he not thrown his wicket away. Um, as much as he has done in the series. Yeah, 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 yeah. And hopefully, you know, I guess hopefully for the, him, that's that's what comes with that test experience, right? Is that you, you know, you you got to make the most of those opportunities because you just it, it's not easy. And even though someone like Harry Brook is making test cricket look very easy at the moment, it's uh, it's not it's not that easy for to uh, to just stroll in and and make fifties all the time. And I, I guess on that sort of note you know looking at that pakistan mid, top and middle order I, sh- I should probably give you the opportunity to, sh- to share your thoughts on azar ali's test career this obviously coming to a close after this latest test against england i mean excellent contributor for pakistan probably someone who maybe outside of pakistan goes a little bit of bit underrated i would i would guess um but yeah i mean the floor is yours to to talk about his career and, and i guess what he's meant to to pakistan uh, yes, I mean, uh, he's been a mainstay. I mean, he's played, uh, did the maths the other day. He's played 42 consecutive series for Pakistan um, since his debut. Uh-huh. He hasn't he's, hasn't missed a series. He's missed test matches. He's uh, only six of them in those uh, 42 consecutive series. Uh, yeah, it's been an extraordinary career, hasn't it? I mean, 97 tests, um, 75 tests before he got, got the chance to play on home soil. And correct me if I'm wrong, it's is also an extraordinary career because he's played 97 tests without ever playing India. And I think that's the highest ever. Uh-huh. I, I can't imagine that yeah, that would yeah. have uh, happened before that, that players played you know that many test matches without ever facing India, which is unique. So mm-hmm. a unique and extraordinary career for uh, two aspects. One is that a long wait to play a home test. One is never playing India. Although he did get his chance in ODI cricket against India, uh, thinking of the, you know, the Champions Trophy final. And he made a 50 in that, so he did perform when he got his chance against them. Uh, but um, yes, I mean, I've done the numbers that uh, since his debut, only Alistair Cook and Joe Root have faced more deliveries in Test cricket. Very much, a, wow. you know, um, grafter, grinder, uh, old-fashioned run accumulator, um, and somebody who uh, liked to bat long, bat time, absorb pressure. Um and uh, I think he was targeting a hundred tests. I think that that was a, that was a real goal of his. Um, so he's going to mm-hmm. fall short of that. Uh, I think he was also targeting the World Test Championship final as a potential farewell for him because at the start of this home season, 
Uh, a lot of people were thinking it was going to be an Australia-Pakistan final next summer. But uh, with the way results have gone, um, Pakistan are now up against it. I mean, there's, there's still a mathematical possibility, but um, for Azhar Ali, this is, uh, he's not going to be playing against New Zealand. And uh, he's going to finish with 97 tests. And uh, he's not the first person to uh, end his uh, test career with a duck as he did today. No, no, he's, he's, this, he's uh, in good company. On. Good company there. Um, and you mentioned the the World Test Championship final spot, and um, yeah, I, I was much the same as you. Thought Pakistan were were in a real good opportunity to to be in that final, you know, going into this series against England. And yeah, I mean, obviously England have have sort of blown that out of the water. Even though um, you know Pakistan were were well within a sniff of of winning both these tests at at various points and. Even you know right up to the late stages of those games, New Zealand. We just talked off air. You know we were the first test side to kind of experience this baseball <laughs> change in in the uh, in the England setup, and it wasn't one that I especially enjoyed as a, a Black Caps fan. But what what are you sort of taking from this series into how you know Pakistan? You think will will play against New Zealand because. Traditionally, New Zealand have played a very different style of cricket to what you've seen from England. And it, it in, in many ways, it feels like baseball has disrupted the way that, you know, maybe Pakistan and other teams that have played against them have gone about them um, and these matches. So do you do you actually read a lot into the series or is it sort of just a complete fresh start when, you, when we move to the New Zealand series? Uh, I think Pakistan will be battled hard in going into that series because uh, New Zealand haven't played a test match since June, since that Headingley test uh, mm-hmm. in England. So uh, Pakistan would be playing, would have, would have played, you know, uh, test cricket at home going into that series, uh, which would put them in good stead, I think. Um, you know, they played against a higher profile opponent. They'd be in the, in the groove, in the rhythm of test cricket. And they can expect a more... A conventional style of test cricket against New Zealand. I mean, New Zealand are coming with a very experienced test match team um, in terms of the, play, the playing 11 we expect to see on the park. Um, so, uh, you know, they will be challenged by New Zealand, but I think from a preparation point of view, Pakistan will have the upper hand having played England uh, and uh, especially having played a test match at the venue they're going to start the series on. Uh, on Boxing Day. So um, from a preparation point of view, uh, I think Pakistan will be feeling uh, very confident going into those matches against New Zealand. Um, and it's been a long time since Pakistan have won a test series against New Zealand. I think tw- 2011, at the start of 2011, that was the last time they did. Pa- Pakistan have historically enjoyed a lot of success against New Zealand in test cricket. Um, between 1985 and 2016, they never lost a test series, but uh, things have changed in recent times. Uh, New Zealand managed to draw a series in the Emirates when McCullum was captain. They managed to win a series yep. um, in the Emirates when Williamson was captain. And uh, the last two times Pakistan toured New Zealand, New Zealand have managed to clean sweep them. So Pakistan will be keen to uh, reverse their fortunes against New Zealand in Test cricket and get back to winning ways against New Zealand in Test cricket. And uh, what better way to do that at, than at home? Um, because they haven't faced New Zealand uh, for 20 years at home, as I mentioned at the start. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? And you, you talked about a couple of those recent series that New Zealand have played, and they actually sort of 
proved to be quite memorable tests for New Zealand. I um, very much remember the, the 2018 tests uh, where AJS Patel made his debut and, um, you know, spun New Zealand to, to a, a four-run victory, I think it was, from memory. It was, yeah, yeah. very, very close. One of the, the tightest victories um, in test cricket. And, um, you know, even the um, – must have been 2020, was it, when Mitchell Santner uh, – I think he caught Nassim Shah. Was it one of the one of the tail enders yeah. at the end with a, a, a great one handed catch that you know in many ways kind of made, meant New Zealand made it into that World Test Championship final and um, you know got us got us the mace you know on on those steps to the the mace ultimately and um, yeah look before before I turn the um, the questioning over to to you the lead questioning because and I'm sure you. You'll have a few questions for me around the the New Zealand squad. I, I did want to talk about just briefly as we transition to the New Zealand stuff around the change in leadership because you kind of talked about, um, you know, and even I alluded to New Zealand playing uh, a very traditional way of cricket, and um, I think that served us very very well in the in the past. And um, you know, what's happened recently though is is there's been this change in leadership and and I think it came as a as a shock to to a lot of people here in New Zealand it, it's certainly not something that I saw coming I think if if Kane if I had if you'd asked me you know do you think Kane Williamson's going to give up the captaincy it would have been in in the white ball formats that I thought he might decide to do that um it's certainly you know we we speculated on the squad before the the top order recording and um you know I not none of us even thought that, that that was a possibility until the the press release came through the next day and I just wanted to highlight a couple of stats I, I think from that press release from Kane Williams about Kane Williamson's captaincy that sort of shows what an amazing run New Zealand has had under his leadership and um you know these aren't original stats they do come straight from the the New Zealand cricket press release but he's had he had 40 tests as as captain 122 drawn 8 lost 10 he averaged 57 with the bat as captain. His 22 test wins as captain, he averaged 79 with eight centuries. His 1100s as captain is a New Zealand record. And of players who have captained 40 tests or more, only Brian Lara has a higher average as captain than, than Kane Williamson, and it's only just. And I mean, you know, Kane Williamson, I think, will go down as, as perhaps our greatest cricketer of all time. Maybe Sir Richard Hadley will, will retain that. Um, it'll be very close, and depending on on what happens with Kane, when when he and how much longer he goes for, and I I sort of hope this decision means we'll be able to to watch him bat at Test level for for many more years to come. But I think those stats are a great example of you know the 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 real success that New Zealand had in this this golden period that that we've had that actually a lot of people think is um you know on the decline. So. Uh, over to over to you. What do what do you want to know about the the New Zealand squad? Right. Let's uh, firstly, I'm going to ask about Trent Bolt because um, obviously we're not going to see him play a Test match in Pakistan now in his career, um, mm. which uh, some people were looking forward to at the start of the year or in the middle of the year when we were aware that New Zealand were coming uh, for these Test matches and. Uh, we were looking forward to seeing Trent Bolt in action, but obviously he's made that decision uh, around August, September time that uh, he's going to release. He's going. To, he's been. He's asked to be released from his um, central contract. And uh, do you sense that he, that's the end 
for him as far as test cricket is concerned. Um, because in that last series in England, he was bowling really well, despite coming from the IPL. Um, you know, he mm. played literally two months of white ball cricket in Indian conditions, but still um, in a difficult series for New Zealand, he was one of the better performers. Um, so uh, my question basically is, do you expect to see him play another test match for New Zealand or is that the end of the road as far as test cricket is concerned? It's really hard to know. And uh, New Zealand's going through a, a really interesting phase now. You know, we, you mentioned Trent Bolt. We've also had um, Colin de Gronholm and Martin Guptill uh, step aside from their contracts in, in recent times. Um, I think with, with both of those two players, they were finding themselves slightly on the outer of the squad, even though Colin de Gronholm was, was in the test squad over in, over in England and um, actually performing reasonably well. Uh, in our last home summer to kind of get himself, you know, ownership of the shirt again. But yeah, with, with Trent Bolt, it, I really hope it's not. Um, this series against England that we have back at home will be a pretty interesting one in terms of how that the, the direction of Trent Bolt's test career is going to go because um, from memory, I don't think he has any conflicts at that time with other international leagues, it's at home. So, you know, he could still, uh, he could still have the time with his family and all the other things that he's sort of hoping to get from uh, stepping aside from his New Zealand commitments. I think New Zealand cricket realistically are going to have to, because our uh, financial circumstances here in New Zealand are not the same as um, some of the other countries around the world, the Indias and the Australias and Englands that can, that their contracts can really offer, uh, they're huge contracts just for for playing international cricket. It means that they, some of those players do choose to just accept their contracts. But New Zealand cricket, even though they're, you know, they're still fairly well paid, it, it's going to, we've got to a situation where New Zealand cricket, I think, are going to have to be flexible with some of our best players and I don't necessarily think that's the worst thing. A lot of people are, are worried and, and thinking, oh, you know, these guys are just going and chasing the dollar. If you actually look at it from the other side, you could say, well, what they're doing is they're, if, if they're working in partnership with New Zealand cricket, they could say, well, I'm going to be, they could make a, a plan, you know, I'm going to be available for these games, these series, and I'm going to be, I still want to be available for all these big tournaments. And what that means is you can give a contract to another player and we can develop that player and then, then that player doesn't need a domestic contract and another player gets a domestic contract. And, and all of those things kind of flow on and actually can build us some depth. I still think Trent Bolt will play in the ODI World Cup. Um, I think that's, you know, I would be stunned if he wasn't in the mix for that. Perhaps even the next T20 World Cup after that. But yeah, I think this England series we're going to see whether or not Trent Bolt's really going to be considered for Test cricket ever again, because New Zealand cricket have said that they will, um, you know, as much as they, you know, want Trent to be involved, they will prioritise people with contracts. And I guess that in some ways that might be suggesting that, you know, that they're going to give other people chances to, to prove their worth, and build this depth for the future. Okay. I know the Test matches come first, but you alluded to the ODI World Cup there. I was interested looking at the New Zealand squad that they just named in the last day or so for their upcoming uh, ODI assignments in Pakistan and India. 
I was interested to note that uh, the likes of uh, Gary Stead, the head coach, um, Kane Williamson and Tim Saudi in particular, are going to Pakistan for those ODIs, but they're not going to go over to India. I was thinking, uh, I mean, I just looked at that and thought it, it was a bit odd because the, the One Day World Cup is in India in 2023. Uh, and this ODI series that New Zealand is going to play is in India in 2023. I thought that would have been a useful exercise for the likes of the head coach and Captain Kane Williamson and Tim Saudi to go on and get the experience of playing the one-day format um, in Indian conditions ahead of that World Cup. I thought if they were if they if they were going to skip a series, uh, perhaps the Pakistan one was to skip. But but uh, that's interesting. That just something I noted when looking at the squad, and uh, I thought that I, I mean from the outside it seemed that the India series would be more useful preparation looking ahead to that World Cup next year. Yeah, it's it's a good point that you make. I, I think that the just the amount of cricket these days, right? They, there's just such short turnarounds between series. I mean, we're just seeing this for for Pakistan here. There's you know what four, three or four days, even if this test goes goes the distance, there's going to be you know such a short time between this this England test series and the the New Zealand test series that it's it's sort of the same for for these players. And I think for for Kane Williamson and Tim Southey, um, obviously Southey's just been appointed the captain of the test team. So, um, you know, I you would hope, I guess, that that signals that he feels that he has a, you know, a good few years to, to come. But I think probably, um, as I alluded to before, I think it's a signal that New Zealand cricket is willing to be pretty flexible with the likes, of, with, with some of their older players to make sure that they can play as long as possible. And, I think for Kane and, and for, for Tim Saudi, they've played so many times in India now and, and all of that kind of stuff. They and probably, you know, Kane Williamson's had years and years and years of the IPL and I think he's fairly, probably fairly used to, to Indian conditions. If I, I could be wrong, um, I haven't actually double-checked this, but I feel like we we have some other games either in India or, or something in the lead-up um, to the World Cup as well. So, yeah, I mean... As much as we've talked about it on the podcast, um, our love for ODI cricket, it, it feels like ODI cricket is becoming the one that, you know, these three ODI or five ODI one, uh, bilateral series are the ones that people are going to skip. It, it seems like at the moment they're, yeah, everyone wants the chasing the T20 dollar and, um, and also uh, the T20 World Cups come around more regularly. Um, and everyone still loves test cricket. So, yeah, if, if a format is the one that has to miss out, it seems like it might be ODIs at this point. Yeah. I mean, I was expecting them to miss some some section of the subcontinent tour, bearing in mind they go to India after as well. But I just thought if they had to make a choice, I thought India would have been prioritised as far as the ODIs are concerned and perhaps skipping the Pakistan ODIs. But uh, moving on, let's get back to this uh, test series, which starts... Uh, a week today, in fact, isn't it? 26th, yes. We're mm-hmm. recording this on the 19th. Um, so, Australia have gone to Pakistan and won the series, as far as Test cricket is concerned. England has gone to Pakistan and won the Test series. Um, does that put New Zealand under some pressure, or does that inspire them and give them confidence? Uh, because, uh, obviously, they're going to be compared to England and Australia if results don't go according to plan, and people are going to say, well, England won there, well, Australia won there. They can't just point to the fact that uh, it's hard to win away from home. 
Yeah, look, I, absolutely. And I, I think New Zealand have a lot to prove in this series. Um, I mean, we, you know, we, we like to mention it, but we did win the World Test Championship, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. But, but this cycle has not gone well for us. We, you know, we had difficult conditions in India, you know, and then, a, and it's been a real mixed bag at home. One, one against Bangladesh, you know, which was a, a, a real surprise. One, one against South Africa. We, and I think in both those squad, uh, series, we sort of, we played really well in the wins and then were actually completely outplayed in the, in the losses that we had. Then we go over to England, you know, probably the less said about that, the better that, that, you know, lost three nil in that series. And even though much like Pakistan, I think we'll probably feel like we were in positions to win all of those tests, but you know, England, as they seem to do now, victory was just taken away from New Zealand in very quick fashion. And that, that style of play where New Zealand, have been used to just hanging in test matches and playing for as you know taking them to the the final stages and then being able to come come good right at the end and and you know in the big moments make the big plays the th- things just happened so quickly that that those big moments were had come and gone before you know New Zealand even really got the the opportunity to to action them so i think i mentioned it before a, a lot of people seem very concerned that New Zealand have have sort of had this golden run with our, our men's test team and that we might be on the downturn that, you know, you mentioned it, you called us an experienced side. And that means that there's a lot of players in there that are 30, 30 plus, you know, we've had Ross Taylor retire. We've had BJ Watling retire. You talked about Trent Bolt, Colin de Gronholm, step back from contracts. So those were core guys in our squads that are not there anymore. You know, we have had guys step in. Tom Blundell has had an excellent, uh, summer over in England and then uh, has continued that form here in New Zealand. Uh, Trent, you know, Matt, Matt Henry's been waiting in the wings for a long time to to get an extended run at Test cricket. So, you know, Trent Bolt, he's perhaps a Trent Bolt replacement, even though they're they're not quite the same. But yeah, I, I think it really is a, it. New Zealand do have a lot to prove because if we go over to to Pakistan now and and. Even you know, and if we don't win this series, then we're we're a very good chance to finish either last or very close to to the bottom of this World Test Championship ladder, which you know isn't a great uh, result after just just winning the tournament. And and even I don't think we've you know, like I said, we've played just such mixed runs of cricket, and New Zealand have really prided themselves on on competing in in all formats for for such a long time, and. Yeah, I think there's there's guys in this squad that that have a lot to prove in terms of their ability to perform away from home. And how much interest will there be in this series, and particularly the, te- the test matches, because that's at the New Year and the Christmas period. Uh, back in New Zealand, will people be watching with their interest? I know a lot of people back in New Zealand are disappointed they don't have a Boxing Day test or a New Year test at home to attend. Uh, but do you think they'll be tuning in and see the bigger picture that New Zealand is returning to a place they haven't been for 20 years? I think it'll depend a lot on the style of cricket because um, I think you're right that, you know, a lot of people are are upset that there's no uh, home, you know, home test at at Boxing Day. It it become a a staple for for us here in New Zealand and, um, and one that people really looked forward to. And, you know, you, you kind of get used to, 
sitting here in, in the sun in New Zealand and and, uh, and listening to the, the cricket on the radio and things. And, um, you know, now obviously we're going to be doing it at, at different times of the, of the day. But I think it's, like I said, I think it'll depend a lot on, on how we play our cricket. People are fascinated to see what the, the leadership change is going to actually do. There was a lot of talk in the press release that I mentioned before about Tim Southey's appointment and sort of talking about that, uh, you know, let me let me just actually read from there. Uh, Gary Stead said, we've seen his captaincy skills on display with the T20 side, and I'm sure he'll continue to bring an aggressive style while still maintaining the core fundamentals of how this Black Caps team operates in the test arena. So, you know, New Zealand, I think, have been pretty taken by what England has done in, in uh, playing this new style of test cricket. And... I think we probably want to do the same, and I, and I think if um, you know if we look back to that Raul Pindi game, I, I can't see any way that New Zealand would have manufactured a, a win from from that test. I, I I think that would have been one of the most boring draws ever in Test cricket if if New Zealand and Pakistan had been facing off against each other in in that game. That the way that New Zealand have have traditionally played our cricket, I think people are excited to uh, potentially see Glenn Phillips play test cricket he's he's had such a a really good run at um at white ball cricket this year and the way that he plays the game sort of um, marries perfectly with you know if we do want to play a more attacking style how we get him in that lineup I don't quite know uh with the way that our our batting lineup has has been um has been built over the last sort of year since Ross Taylor retired but yeah, I think a lot of it is going to come down to to how we perform in this first test and, and how interesting the cricket is. I think if um, you know if it does turn into a bit of a boring uh, scenario, yeah, we could easily see New Zealanders switch off just because of the way things go, which would 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 be a massive shame. Um, so we know England is over there right now, and we see a lot of travelling supporters from the Barmy Army and various groups, uh, various travel groups going over to Pakistan, experiencing Pakistan. Likewise, when Australia were over there earlier this year, we saw similar um, similar stuff with uh, lots of touring group, groups, not, not as much as England, but uh, some touring groups going over um, and taking in the cricket. And we saw a lot of written press, both from England and Australia, go over um, to cover the series and experience Pakistan for the first time in the life for many of them. Um, what do you think the situation will be with New Zealand in terms of um, the media going over? I'm talking about the written press. And obviously you don't have the numbers as England and Australia, but in terms of the fans and um, things like that, what can we expect uh, from New Zealand's first force of Pakistan in a long time? Look, I think... Uh... We'll be pretty hard pressed to to match the you know enthusiasm and, and the numbers of of fans that go over there from from those other nations that that you mentioned and and um, certainly the written press. I, I you know I think uh, you know maybe it, maybe it's not a surprise, but there are very few you know uh, there are very few cricket journalists, specialist cricket journalists here in New Zealand. I think that's one of the the unfortunate things about um, being a, a smaller country in terms of population probably has a has a big factor and and just the way our media works and and um you know probably realistically that the um uh 
the pedestal that rugby is on here in New Zealand. Uh, you know, rugby takes takes pride of place. Um, you know, even if there was a, a big All Black story or, or even a Black Ferns story, Black Ferns, our, our New Zealand women's team kind of uh, quite rightfully took uh, all the coverage in the last um, last few months while while they were on their way to a, a World Cup win here in New Zealand. But yeah, I don't actually know of any New Zealand journalists that are going over. There might be a couple. I, I did. There used to be back in the day. Um, we used to always send radio uh, radio commentators over. I remember some uh, radio commentators, Brian Waddle. Um, I think it was in Pakistan or maybe in India. You know, almost making a, a debut uh, because of injuries and and all of those kind of things. I think there's a few stories about that. Um, different journalists in the past that have been. You know, over over on smaller tour groups that have that have um, got on the field and, and had to do things, but yeah, I, I haven't actually heard of any uh, um, journalists that'll be even making the trip. We might we might be sending a commentator or two. I I can't actually answer that question, yeah. but yeah, I think unfortunately there's it'll it'll be pretty slim pickings. I think for from the New Zealand contingent. Yeah, I'm aware that Simon Dool is going over, and he's got. Uh... Oh, cool. I mean, he's been to Pakistan anyway for things like the Pakistan Super League and Pakistan West Indies White Ball Series because he's based in UAE these days. Uh, it's quite convenient for him. Um, I read somewhere that uh, SENZ are covering the series in terms of radio and uh, Jeremy Coney's part of their team. But again, I'm not sure whether that's going to be done remotely or whether they're actually going to be in Pakistan. But uh, it'll, I think it'll be uh, quite uh, a useful and uh, a beneficial experience if they can send... Uh, members of their media over to Pakistan um, in in a similar way that England and Australia did. I know, obviously, New Zealand doesn't have, quite have the numbers, but uh, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly an experience to take in. Um, we alluded to the World Test Championship uh, earlier, and obviously, New Zealand are out of the running for this particular cycle. Um, does that uh, put a downer on this series? Obviously, I asked about. Um, how much interest there'll be in the series back in New Zealand, but it seemed like the previous World Test Championship cycle, it really gripped New Zealand um, in that home summer they had going into that final. Obviously, this time they're out of the running, and do you think that's naturally going to have a bit of a downer, knowing that even if New Zealand you know, win this series, they can't really progress in this particular edition? Um, and from, from that point of view, that's why I'm hoping... Uh, Pakistan wins this third test um, to keep that possibility alive that if they clean sweep New Zealand and Australia go to India and Australia have a successful tour of India, there's still some sort of way Pakistan can squeeze into that top two. So it would be good from a World Test Championship point of view if there is a bit of uh, context in this series if Pakistan can get the job done here in the third test against England. Yeah, look, absolutely. I, it would. It, we, we don't want. Uh, I don't think anyone in, in world cricket, probably in, except India and, and Australia, want. Uh, you know, want it to be a, a done deal, that far out. But yeah, I, I think it's. Um, I actually look at it the reverse from a New Zealand point of view. I, I think the fact that we're out um, and and don't have, you know, don't necessarily have anything to play for, gives us the opportunity to you know, back ourselves a bit more. And, and I and I think in some ways, maybe they would have done it anyway, but England, the way that England's kind of turned things around, they were already out. You know, they, they'd had such a bad run that they had nothing to lose. And that, you know, I, I'm 
you know, don't get me wrong. I, I think England would have gone about this the way they've gone about it. I think they they would have gone about it no matter in what sort of situation they were in. But I really think that it gives New Zealand the opportunity to kind of think, okay, what do we want to actually get from this series, and and how do we want to, I, I don't know, build our our test game and, and you know if there is that little transition of style that we want to make now's the time now's the time where we can go and do it and and I think for New Zealand we don't actually you know you talked about the big role that spins got spin is likely to have in in this series for someone like AJ's Patel he barely gets a bowl in here in New Zealand he, he often doesn't even get you know picked in the side he took 10 10 10 in the innings against India you know, third person ever in history to, to do that. And, um, you know, we go back to go back to New Zealand and, and he's not in the starting 11. And, and look, I mean, you know, at the time a lot was made of that, but actually, you know, spin doesn't play a huge part in, in New Zealand conditions. So for someone like him, it's it's a huge opportunity to go out there and, and actually prove what you can do. And um, again, if some of these guys, if, if Ishisodi gets an opportunity, he's back in the, the test fold. You know, we talked to him on the podcast about a must have been about a year ago, just at the end of the the last or the previous T Twenty World Cup, and he, you know, he he really was expressing his desire to kind of get back to that that Test format, and it was still a format that he really enjoyed, even though you know he's been out of the format since. I think he had a, a comeback again in twenty sixteen, but he before that had a break. You know, he he got brought into the squad or into Test cricket really really early when he I think he'd only played handful of um, first class games at the time and you know I, I think he's a much better bowler now but he doesn't you know again it's going to be really interesting to try and see the balance of this New Zealand side because we've had such a uh, such a steady side and, and it's been very clear who New Zealand was going to pick almost at all times even uh, we, we always had our three or four seamers we were going to go with we always had our top six lined up but now there are a few battles for positions in terms of, you know, Glenn Phillips, Henry Nichols, Michael Bracewell, East Sodi. How are they going to balance, you know, six, seven, eight, you know, nine? And, and um, yeah, there's some real question marks. And I think New Zealand's got an opportunity now to say, this is how we want to play our cricket. And, and this is going to build into the next cycle and, and into our home summer. Lastly, uh, what will constitute a successful uh, tour for New Zealand uh, in the test match format? Obviously, only two test matches. Um, is it a case of uh, if they can you know, draw the series? Um, is it just a case of winning the series? Is it just a case of competing? Uh, what would be you know, a reasonable pass for New Zealand on this uh, historic tour? Uh, personally, I think, I think we need to win a, at least win a test. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, if, like what we were, we ran through all of uh, New Zealand's recent results uh, much earlier in the show, and you know we've just come off a, a three nil loss to to England. Uh, we need to turn this around because otherwise, you know, we we yeah we, we're going to be known as a side that's like I said, people think we're on the decline, and if we can't turn this around quickly, we're gonna we've got we just don't have many opportunities to play test cricket as, as New Zealand, you know, we're obviously we get the tests in the world test championship cycle, but like, like many other nations actually that aren't India, England and, and uh, Australia, we play a lot of two, two test series. 
even at home we play, you know, that's the rest of our home summer. It's two tests against England and, and two tests against Sri Lanka. England are going to be a really tough opposition the way that they're playing their cricket at the moment. And, um, you know, I think everyone probably expects us to beat Sri Lanka in our conditions, but, you know, everyone expects us to beat Bangladesh last summer as well. So, yeah, it's time really that New Zealand starts to turn this around at, at test level. Otherwise, the 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 length of time that a lot of these players have got to to not, you know, to get more and more opportunities starts to get shorter if your team's not winning. It's very easy to say, well, you know, the team's winning. We really back you as a player and we think that, uh, you know, you'll come good and that you're the right player. But if the team stop, if the team stops winning, then suddenly, you know, maybe not, maybe not the internal squad, uh, selectors and and the the playing group because I think as a as a unit they're all very calm and quite tight uh I don't think there's any panic they they subscribe we often talk about you know teams subscribing to the would rather give you one test too many than than one test too few I think New Zealand's certainly in that camp but you know the fans are going to start calling for for some changes if if New Zealand go over there and, and lose this series 2-0 especially if you know, especially with England going over there and, and having won the series already and, and um, you know, into this third test. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's time for, for New Zealand to, to start winning. We, you know, we all want to win and when we're, uh, we all want our team to win as, as cricket fans. But I, I think there'll, there'll be some urgency in the team as well to, to start putting to some results on the board. It's a good summary. So that was a very useful chat to know more about uh both Pakistan and New Zealand looking ahead to this uh, brief test series and this historic tour and uh, it all gets underway a week today. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, look, great. Thanks for, for jumping on uh, with with us here. Um, you can hear my, my voice is starting to go. It's it's uh, quarter past 11 here in in New Zealand. So yeah, wonderful, wonderful time to wrap that up. You go and enjoy the, the rest of this Pakistan-England test and um, yeah, I'm sure we we might be uh, might be in touch on social media for a bit of banter during this this uh, New Zealand Pakistan series. But but all the best. Uh, yeah, I hope it's a, a wonderful series and we get a lot of lot of great cricket. Sure, um, and uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to your listeners as well. <laughs>